Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. Now today I'm talking to Lisa Blaine, who is a London-based wellness coach with a holistic approach to health and well-being. She is passionate about helping men, women and their families eat better and think positively about themselves. As a certified fitness instructor and nutritionist, Lisa aims to investigate the root cause of her clients' dietary problems so they can not only improve their health, address cravings, manage weight and strengthen the immune system, but also regain mental clarity and start living their lives with a sense of purpose. Lisa has a wealth of knowledge in supporting her clients in dealing with emotional eating, managing cravings and hunger, moving away from the weighing scales, practicing mindful exercise and achieving good quality sleep. I'm really looking forward to this conversation and being inspired with self-care from a truly holistic perspective. Let's get to the interview. Hi, Lisa, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Hi, it's so lovely to be here with you. So Lisa, could you introduce yourself, please, to the listeners? Absolutely. I'm Lisa and I am a wellness coach. I am very interested and very passionate about wellness for everybody. And for me, wellness means looking after my clients' mindset and body at the same time in order to help them appreciate who they are now in this present moment. Okay, no, lovely. Thank you, Lisa. And I love the way that you almost have immediately kind of mentioned mindset, because I think so often (laughs) with wellness, people might initially jump to thinking it's all about spiralizing your courgettes or, (laughs) do you know what I mean, a very narrow perspective. Absolutely. I mean, there's many facets, isn't there? But for Mm. me, as a coach, I believe that, you know, health goes beyond the plate, as it were. And as much as we have to obviously look after our bodies in the best way that we can for ourselves in terms of nutrition and drinking and sleep and exercise and all those things, if we are stressed in the mindset about what we are doing, allowing thoughts that do not serve us towards our bodies or food, then any endeavor to change anything physically isn't going to happen because mentally we're not in a good place. So it's really important to be in that healthy mindset as much as you want your body to be in that healthy place. No, sure. No, I really agree. But Lisa, can you tell us a bit as well, like how did you come to work in sort of wellness? Like what was your kind of journey to this point? I started out in fitness and training and I started that around the age of 30 and I built up my clientele through training people and I did a nutrition course to do with my training and then I went on to further education in my nutrition and people kept asking me about plans and eating well and all of these things and what I discovered was that 
rather than me being in sort of a certain way with certain meal plans for everybody, what worked really well, what was really inspiring for people was for me to show people how to eat intuitively. Because I felt that with most of people that I was looking after is that they had lost a sense of themselves. They had forgotten what they really needed to do and what was best for their body because they were so busy on focusing only on, you know, weight management aspects when there's a whole, you know, as I said, it's much more beyond the plate. So I devised recipes for clients and I gave clients different recipes for breakfast, lunches and dinners and snacks. And I helped them to engage in their meals in a different way. And we really focused on eating to nourish at meal times, and naturally, what happened was it was very interesting. Is that all the clients started to feel very calm and very sort of happy about what they were doing, and they kind of stopped obsessing over food because they were eating these great meals, and they weren't feeling in the need to control what was going on with every mouthful of food that they were eating. They felt that they had options with recipes and choices. They were getting a broader spectrum in naturally because they were eating proper meal times. And they were naturally dissolving those fears around food and freeing up their mindset to enjoy life outside of food. And that grew. And from there on, I obviously helped many clients, not just with their eating intuitively, but also to kind of gravitate towards a very positive mindset. And when I say that, what I want to say as well is that we can't go from sort of that negative mindset straight to high positive. We have to get to neutral first and we have to listen to our bodies and try and calm down with them and what we want them to achieve. And when we kind of take that pressure off, we let you know, we allow the body to relax and things unfold naturally. And people generally find their, their natural happy place in their bodies, in themselves. So for me, with clients, the most important thing is that they are eating intuitively and that they are obviously incorporating a huge spectrum of ingredients, but also able to enjoy their food too. Because, you know, if you're not enjoying your meals or allowing those foods that give you satisfaction, those great treats, then you're kind of, you're back into that restriction. So it's about letting go of old set beliefs and allowing yourself to sort of trust yourself to eat and feel beautiful about doing that. It's really great, actually. I think, Lisa, hearing you describe that whole process, it really sounds so much about kind of slowing down, tuning into the body, food becoming pleasurable again, just really taking care of yourself with your eating, which is wonderful, isn't it? And I think so many people have lost sight of that. They have. And then, you know, when you, when you slow down with food and you are starting to get in touch with your feelings again, it gives you a lovely springboard to, you know, do different types of exercises as well. Because I often find with clients that everybody starts off with me and they're very full on with exercise and high intensity and, you know, really going for it. But 
we don't have to be necessarily pushing the body that way unless it's something you really enjoy. And we don't have to truly be doing that all the time. We can have, we can achieve balance. Mm. And, you know, the body doesn't just need those types of movements. It needs flexibility. It needs, mm-hmm. it needs stillness and, and self-care. And it needs you to sort of be open to all areas of, of different types of movement. You know, if you are older, for instance, and you're in your perimenopause, going into menopause, it might be that running is not for you now, but fast walking will still build up your heart rate and give you that buzz that you need. It might be that you do you do need to do more strength training because that obviously helps to build strength in the bones and the muscle mass is very important as you get older. But you don't have to go to the heaviest muscles and sort of exercises and the hugest weights. You can go gentle and you will still get the results. I also think it's very important to not get too seduced with how people look on Instagram a certain way, you know, strong, not skinny, you know, looking, you know, ripped and all of this, you know, these are just all mm. ways to sort of seduce us into getting to do that, to follow that particular platform. Mm. And ideally, you know, a person really needs to be listening to themselves and following themselves and also not overdoing it so that they don't cause themselves any injuries as well. So balance is, is food, but it's also recognizing that the exercise that you do is also still caring very much for your body and your mind. Yeah, and no, I think such a good point as well, because I think I work with many people that struggle with sort of compulsive overexercise and they really suffer from it, you know, like frequently getting injured, you know, having sort of perhaps a poor immune system from just driving themselves so hard, finding it difficult to sleep, experiencing high anxiety. And I think that that word balance is is just so important, isn't it? Because I think we kind of sold this message a bit that in a way, you know, to kind of, you need to move fast and hard and do it a lot and exercises, you know, lots and lots and lots of exercises, good. But I think sometimes as well, people have lost sight, haven't they really of yeah, tuning into their body and finding that balance and happy place. Absolutely. And also it's very important for the hormones because, you know, I have seen it in many people and I've seen it in myself in previous years. I mean, I'm in my early 50s now, but there is, you know, we sometimes we can't explain why we're, why we, a client would be so tired or why a client feels anxiety or they can't get to sleep. It's because the body is so stressed. And it's so overexerted and it's, you know, it's not in a good place. And we're not thinking that it's about maybe what we could be doing because we're constantly putting it under pressure. So, you know, and what we have to, I guess, acknowledge in our bodies is that, you know, they are here looking after us every day, no matter what we do, no matter what pressure we put the body under. But we must listen to the signals because obviously the body, you know, wants to care for us. It wants us to be in a good place. And if we're not sleeping and if we're anxious, that is the body's way of saying, hang on a second. Can you just sort of, can we take a step back? Because Mm. I can't repair. I can't renew. I can't feel better. I can't replenish everything because you're depleting me so quickly. Yeah, no, so true, isn't it? I think as well, people just get caught in sort of that fight flight response, don't they? Where, you know, the body is flooded with adrenaline and cortisol. And they're just, yeah, like you say, not spending enough time really where there's enough time to repair and rest and 
soothing and relaxation and and we we yeah Mm. really ideally you know the good stuff happens when we when we are relaxed and less is more and I see it in clients so many times that when they take a step back and they take it down a notch their bodies start to respond beautifully and they start to their skin starts to look better they don't look so drawn and so tired they've got more energy they're not so moody they're you know they're sleeping better everything kind of gets back to that lovely flow of life you know and I think that's really important because you know we need to be living in our bodies really well you know Mm. we want good life from our bodies and we don't want to be in a situation where we have taken our bodies so far that we can't get back Mm, yeah and it's so true and it's lovely actually hearing you talking Lisa actually I just feel a lot you know very calm and (laughs) tuned in so (laughs) it's really nice even you just talking about these things yeah it's good to be tuned in and you know what for anybody that wants to change that you know give yourself time I mean I didn't arrive at this point in life always being this calm and intuitive and knowing there have been lessons along the way but there are never mistakes there are lessons to be made and choices to be made and remember that individually everybody has a choice with their body to you know to do as they wish and but the best choices that you can make for the body are the ones that make you feel good mentally and physically together, not separately, because your whole body is, you know, you're together with everything. And everything that we do affects our body and our mindset. We can't leave one without the other. One doesn't sort of catch up. It's, it's there, you know. Yeah. And I think that applies to both men and women, because obviously men feel the pressure. I have male clients too, and men feel the pressure as well about looking a certain way, you know, mm. and I guess, you know, it's incredibly difficult because you, you've got all these people that you're looking at that you think that they look so incredible and everything, and it's all so perfect and they're always doing the right thing. But, you know, reality is that life isn't always like that. Some weeks are great for exercise. Other weeks, especially in lockdown, it may not have happened for you. And I think it's very important to acknowledge that that is actually okay it's okay mm. to have those weeks. You don't have to be going on this jauntlet all the time. Yeah. No, definitely. It's not sustainable, is it? It really it's isn't. It's not sustainable. And also, it's also, then it becomes punishment rather than something that's pleasurable for you. And I think ideally, when we, we're, we're exercising and looking at meals and what we're eating, it should be something that is a form of enjoyment because we, you know, we're eating meals every single day. And I know with clients, when they are in a mindset of having their meals, they just, I can feel it. I can see it in them. They just suddenly feel so much calmer and they feel so much nicer. Mm. You know, they start having better conversations with themselves and they start to understand, you know, that eating in a nice way at the table, having meals, doing things, cooking, recipes taking time is incredibly nurturing for their bodies and their and their mental health as well mm, yeah and no, it sounds really great so Lisa if like someone comes to you and they've been kind of like in an extreme sort of dieting phase maybe they've been overdoing it at the gym you know pushing themselves really hard where would you start with them in terms of like the initial baby steps to kind of help them start to begin to have a healthier relationship with food and with exercise? 
I would take it right back to the beginning and I would want to ask them what was driving that action. I would want to know why that they were doing that and what had set that off for them because that's important for me to know because it's important to know somebody's triggers. But I stay very present as well with clients and I always keep it about staying mindful and explaining to them about the beauty of getting involved with their cooking and their meals and feeling every feeling that they have because when you do that food becomes much less fearful okay and it's getting them involved sort of not just making a meal and eating or rushing through it you know so they don't have to think about it cooking for yourself is a form of self-care and self-love so I do really emphasize recipes and cooking meals and sitting down at the table that those sorts of things are the little things that really help I'm quite specific about downtime too that you know no phone and distractions while a client is eating so that they are you know able to notice the cues of when they start to feel satisfied because they're not distracted and allowing them also the chance to get to know themselves and they do that when they're less distracted and they're having great meals and they're you know enjoying a broader spectrum of ingredients Definitely the meals is one of the most important things because often clients will come to me and say that they're not eating very much or that, you know, they miss meals, but then they end up snacking a lot. So I would prefer a client to have a meal rather than snacking, obviously depending on their lifestyle. But it's about re-educating a client that it is, it's safe and proper to eat meals and not to miss meals. And that, that is the way to start to get them back in to eating mindfully and, you know, and not feeling fearful of, of food. And then from that small step, we start to see really huge, tra- huge changes because the mind starts to calm down because they're eating better. And you're, you know, you literally feed your mind, don't you, when you eat food. Mm. So that, from the mental perspective, that really helps with the meals. And then gradually, it's re-educating on exercise and getting them to do things because they love them, but also respecting their boundaries and, and doing things, you know, as I said, for pleasure and not, not as a punishment. I like clients to take time off at the weekend because I believe that doing nothing is really good for the soul and mm-hmm. taking time out just to to journal or to have a walk or you know prepare recipes for the week ahead is is a really lovely way to sort of change your habits and get out of this sort of hamster wheel of constantly being on the go Mm. yeah it's so interesting isn't it because I just think such a strong theme there so overarching theme it is about self-care isn't it and just sort of slowing down making time for yourself, being in the moment, just being much more present. And Absolutely. um yeah. Absolutely. Um, being in the moment with it is very important because if you're rushing around, you can't acknowledge the good things that you're doing for yourself. Mm. You're so busy trying to be doing everything and not noticing what you're doing that you you can't notice the small wins and those are really important to make you feel good. You know? Yeah. Definitely. You have a day that, you know, doesn't go to plan. That is absolutely, again, I always emphasize this to clients, you know, one day where it hasn't worked out quite right for you does not mean that it's a bad day. It just means that, you know, it's just a day that something is different. 
And that's okay too. You know, you're human. Sometimes, some days are more challenging than others when it comes to organization and doing your thing. And other days are excellent for exercise. And, and other days you find it more challenging. And you wouldn't be human if you could just be relentless all the time. It would be a bit robotic if you were just constantly doing stuff all the time and not, you know, that's, that's the highs and lows of life and living in our bodies. Yeah, so you're really encouraging like, your clients to have much more kind of kindness and compassion towards themselves. Yeah, like you say, not expecting them to be a robot that just kind of keeps going, whatever. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, you know, a lot of people have lost sight of being kind and having compassion to themselves. And, and we, we, you know, I've seen it. I've, I've seen it in myself years ago, not now, because obviously wisdom and hindsight is a lovely thing is that, you know, berating ourselves into doing something in a particular style is, is, is most unhelpful, mm. you know, and it doesn't make us feel better in the long term. So, you know, mm. we, we need to be thinking long term, what is, is, is good for our health and, and also, you know, to make us feel good because ultimately it's only us that can make the changes and the choices, nobody else. We have to sort of acknowledge that we are responsible as adults for our bodies and we have to take care of them. Mm, yeah, no, very true. So, and you talked as well about, you know, sometimes but someone's coming to you and they, they are under eating or they're just driving themselves so hard or over-exercising and you might explore with them what's underneath that. What are some of the common themes maybe that you find when you explore that with your clients? I think the common theme is that they have, they have forgotten how to, how to eat properly. And they've started off exercising as a weight management strategy. And it's become, you know, it's become bigger than them, if you like, it's kind of ballooned. And they've lost sight of of the enjoyment of, of, of doing something for that reason for enjoyment and for changes but in a healthy way they kind of lost sight so if I was to have a client that was to come to me that was particularly unhealthily exercising and eating I would be helping them go to neutral and and slow right down and be you know very helpful in helping them reduce things and take it right back to basics to have a complete reset and give the body a break because a lot of clients and a lot of people that I come across are not good at taking breaks. They're, they're nervous to take breaks because they believe that if they do, t- if they do that, then all the results are going to go all the, or, 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 you know, their body's going to fall apart and that's not the case. So I almost teach them, you know, trust me when I tell you this, that you can trust yourself to take a break, that you mm. can take a step back from it and you can reset yourself whenever you want. And I strongly believe that this year, obviously with things that we've had with the lockdowns and not exercising, obviously has been incredibly challenging for people being at home and not being able to do the things that they would want to do. But I also believe it's been a great reset for people to sort of get to know themselves again and get reacquainted with their bodies and what they do because a lot of time people are doing stuff not because they love it anymore but because they feel they have to yeah no it's so true isn't it because I think I've spoken to quite a lot of people that have said oh I'm not going to go back to the gym after lockdown you know I think a lot of people have really stopped and reflected haven't they and you know it's given that kind of thinking space and different perspective 
It really has. So that, you know, I've seen it with clients too, that, that exercise and movement and all of the things that they do should be part of a great life, but it should not be their life because yeah. there is so much more to living life. And I think this year, because people have been cooking at home more, that's definitely helped with, with recipes and doing stuff and people coming out of their comfort zone. But I do believe it's also helped people understand that, you know, it's actually really tremendous in helping them to, to change when they're at home and cooking in a, in a different way, rather than, you know, if they were out working and rushing around, maybe ordering a, a takeaway or eating on the go. This has kind of made us all slow down and you know, know that we don't have to, we, we've got everything we need. If you don't want to exercise out in a gym, you can do it at home. You could find a different type of movement. You know, there's no reason that, you know, Pilates or yoga or stretching is not going to help the body. It is, and it's also going to help stretch the mind, which is really important, you know? So I think it's good because it kind of helps relieve patterns, doesn't it? Of, of outdated beliefs about yourself, about things that you do. You can kind of stop for a moment, get off the treadmill and take a breather and say, well, hang on a second. You know, this is who I am now. What's working for me? What, what do I really want to do? And what can I leave behind? Mm, yeah, it's almost kind of like a reset, isn't it? Which has been so valuable. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think I think resets are really important for food and definitely for exercise, because, you know, a lot of people say to me that they're not always getting the results that they want with their exercise. And it is purely because they're doing too much and they're not eating as well as they should be to match the exercise, because they believe that, you know, they need to eat less and exercise more. The whole mentality of calories in, calories out is not taking into account you know, what, what the brain needs, what you need each individual day, how, how you're feeling, how your hormones are, you know, and that's why intuitively eating and living and being are really important factors for making the difference to what you want to achieve mentally and physically. You talked a little bit about sort of sometimes if people have a bad day, sometimes they might be really hard on themselves and kind of, you know, think things are failing maybe. Or can you say a bit more about kind of some of the typical negative thinking styles or beliefs that can get in the way of someone having a healthier relationship with their yeah, body? I think, I think what happens is with people when they say to me about a bad day is that maybe they've got up and, you know, they've missed breakfast or they fasted, for an example, and, you know, and they've had a later lunch. But then later on in the day, because they fasted, or they've kind of overdone that fasting concept, or because they've decided they don't, they're not breakfast people, what happens is later on in the day, the body needs and wants to make up for that loss of, of nutrients and calorie deficit. So they end up maybe overeating later on in the day and into the evening. I might have a client that in the past that, you know, just doesn't have meals and won't sit down at the table because they feel that they can't because, if, you know, they, they can't be that relaxed. But then again, they'll wait till later to have it. So, and a bad day for them would be that, you know, they, they've done that, the restriction through the day, but they get to the evening and then obviously they're going to crumble 
because they're, they're tired and they have a headache and they're exhausted and they're, they're hyper because they haven't eaten properly. So the body's like completely stressed. And then they kind of do more damage that way because they've waited right to the end of the day to have a meal rather than gradually supplying the body with a good source of nutrients through the day. Mm, yeah, no, sure. So do you think as well, do you find that some of your clients have that kind of all or nothing thinking as well, where, you know, they see things in very black and white terms, and maybe that can kind of hinder their progress in terms of taking care of themselves? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with clients, it's difficult for them to have gray areas. You know, I might have a client that wants to exercise five or six times a week. And there is, you know, nothing initially I can say will make them pull back from that. They have to do that because they do not feel comfortable if they don't. And it's only as time goes on and we break through those beliefs and those patterns and I get them to trust themselves that they can, you know, make the changes. They have got different choices that then slowly, very gradually, do they want to start to change? But, you know, it's about also having to do it very carefully because you can't sort of stop somebody from doing something. You can't just go cold turkey mm. when somebody has done something. You've kind of got to settle them down and obviously get them to sort of understand why they need to make these changes. And once yeah. they understand and they grasp the fact that it's safe, it's okay for them not to do everything exactly as they were doing it, and maybe it's not serving them. And when they understand and recognize that in themselves, that's when they change. Yeah, no, it's so true, isn't it? It's got to come from the individual, hasn't it? And in terms of like really, you know, that individual looking at the situation, assessing it, understanding perhaps the deeper things that are going on, and coming to a point themselves, yeah, they're not going to be able to do it just by you kind of giving them a bit of advice or something. You're going to give them guidance mm. and, and, you know, help them create something new for themselves. But, but I cannot, you cannot make anybody do something that they don't want to do. And obviously everybody that I, I look after is an adult. So they have free will. They have a choice. Mm, yeah. What happens is through the first month or so, they see such great transformational changes, not just, and I'm not even talking physically. I mean, mentally, they feel so much better that they want to carry on. They want it to get better because they're starting to like how they feel and how they're speaking to themselves. Yeah. And then once you've got that breakthrough, then it kind of opens the floodgates for all, all the positive things to come through. Mm, yeah. Sure. So Lisa as well, how do you help your clients as well? If, they, if they're suffering from really poor body image, do you have any particular sort of tips or things that you help to, you know, support them with that? Yes. Well, again, it's very, you know, I ask them where, you know, where that thought has crept in from. What, what's it, where's it come from? Is it something that is from something in the past, which is obviously not going to be changed because we can't change the past? Is it something that they're thinking present, presently now? And is it some type of form of, you know, self-sabotaging thoughts for them because they're in this habitual mindset? And also I have to get them to understand that when they talk to themselves in that way about their food and their body image, that, that the only person that they're really hurting is themselves. 
They're just creating, they're just sort of damaging themselves more by speaking to themselves in that sense about themselves. And I try to create a sort of space for them to recognize that, you know, actually they are incredible. You know, people are incredible. We've got these incredible bodies that do all this stuff with us. And do they recognize that, you know, you've got your arms, your legs, you can see, you can, you can hear, you can think, you can feel. You have all these wonderful senses but obviously, you know, you need to think about it and make better and different choices and thoughts about yourself every day. It's a very slow process, I think, because mm. we are hardwired to speak to ourselves in an unkind way because mm. we, you know, we, we're telling ourselves these things because we, we believe it to, to be true, but it's not. You know, people's body image is is poor because they're not looking at themselves correctly. Yeah, it's so tricky, isn't it? And I think it's a hard thing to grasp, isn't it? I think that in a way your thoughts aren't facts. But if you've... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But it's hard, isn't it? Because I guess if you've experienced something, you know, say, for example, bullying or something in relation to your body image when you were very young, it feels like some of these thoughts are very true because there's a strong emotion attached to them. So no wonder it's hard to shake them. It's it's building self-esteem. And I guess for every thought that a client would say to me, you know, I, I don't feel this about my body, I don't feel good, I would say, you know, with please tell me the opposite. Tell me something good. Mm. Let's find something that, you know, changes that thought that you're thinking about your body. You know, who who told you that? And often a client will say to me, no one, I've told myself that. Mm. You know, because, yes, self-sabotaging thoughts. And I totally get that sort of childhood, you know, mentality where maybe you were slightly the awkward kid at school or you were, you know, the one that, you know, people picked on or things like that. And that makes it incredibly challenging because obviously that leaves you feeling, you know, vulnerable. So you're kind of, you've got that self-talk and that self-belief going on in your head. But I guess as an adult, we have to take responsibility for that and say, hang on a second, Mm. I don't have to believe that. That's not necessarily true. It's not true. Yeah. You know, that mm. was then and, and this is me now. Yeah, no, it's so true, isn't it? It's being able to kind of like almost have some distance from those thoughts and feelings and to realise, like you're saying in a way, taking responsibility as an adult and realising actually you can make a choice now to be much kinder and to be yeah. more self-aware of your self-talk. And, and of course, that is hard. But it's like, isn't it? It's like anything, I guess. It's like with, with practice and repetition you know, you can really begin to change that quite powerfully. Well, we, we both know, don't we, that the mind is, is a muscle. So mm. we have to work differently. You know, if you do the same repetitions, like you were saying, with the same thoughts and the same words, you're not going to change anything. But yes. if you change how you speak to yourself, you change, you know, what kind of comes back at you. And it's hard because it's about sort of starting to look in the mirror and, and it's so hard for us all to do that, isn't it? And to say, well, actually, I, I look great today. And we have to keep doing these things to ourselves too. And the more we do it, the more comfortable we will then get to feel about sort of, you know, acknowledging that actually we're really great as we are. Because look, let's be honest, you know, we're, you know, from a perspective of coaching people, there's no such thing as perfection. We know that. 
Mm. There's only, there's only self-care and, and consistency to, mm. to work with. And, you know, if you could sort of let go of the perfection thing, then that also helps you moving forward to know that it's okay. It doesn't matter. You're still great as you are. Mm. Yeah, no, sure. It's being able to just offer yourself that kind of like, you know, you're good enough. Almost being able to kind of say those kind words that maybe maybe you didn't receive as a child or, you know, it's the words that you needed to hear maybe to yeah. feel I'm okay. Yeah, totally. Um, and I think that also, you know, as we get older, we, you know, we have to recognise as well that, you know, just because we didn't get it as a child or there was something that didn't help us improve our self-esteem doesn't mean to say that we can't build our own self-esteem. Mm. You know, we are in control. We can do that for ourselves as an adult. We, yeah. we have the choice to talk kindly or unkind to ourselves. Mm. And you know, the, the fact is, is that everything that we say to ourselves resonates with our body on a very deep level. You know, every cell is listening. Everything is kind of resonating deep inside. So we need to be careful how we speak to ourselves because we are really creating what we are saying to ourselves. We're creating from that. Mm. Yeah, the mind is very powerful, isn't it? But we, you know, like beginning to master the mind and feeling that we can have some kind of control over our thoughts and feelings puts us in a really powerful place to improve mental health. Absolutely. I think, and I think that's the key. I mean, that's a great word that you just said. I mean, you know, it is powerful when we can acknowledge that, you know, we can be kind to ourselves and get better results as well. You know, the, the better, the kinder and the nicer we are to ourselves, the, the better stuff happens. You know, mm. when, you're, when you're in that negative place all the time and it's very hard to feel good about yourself when you're in that place. But we have to believe that, you know, we can create what we want you know, but we have to work at it and we have to do it daily, whether that's writing, you know, journaling, whether that's, you know, finding a couple of mantras that resonate with us to help us. And also just gently and, and slowly working, you know, finding and working on a solution. Mm. Yeah, and no, I love that. So Lisa, if you could recommend sort of like your top three tips that maybe you you even practice yourself in terms of like really maintaining you know like great mental well-being and and physical well-being what would they be I think my top three tips would be that for me every day is a fresh day Mm -hmm. so I think that's really important look at every day as a new and fresh day and I think also my second tip would be to eat you know with enjoyment first and foremost, and, you know, have every meal and treat every meal as a time to nourish yourself and respect yourself as well. You know, you're not eating for the sake of it. You're eating because you want to create something healthy and happy for yourself. So every day, one thing I do every day, meals are very important for me every day because I want to feel nourished because I want my mind to be able to function properly. I want to be able to sleep well. I don't want to feel stressed. And, you know, fuel is, you know, fuel and water are essential for life. So that is very important, I think. And the third thing I think for me is that whatever is going on, whatever the weather is like, one thing I do every day is get outside to nature, whether that's a 
with my dog or just a walk on my own. But being outside really helps to put things into perspective. Mm. Yeah, and I absolutely agree with you. I think, yeah, being outside in nature is just so grounding, isn't it? And yeah, you really can offer... It's really nourishing. I mean, walking mm. in the rest walking in the sunshine, just walking just evaporates all those sort of, you know, those, you know, you have those days where you're not feeling so great, but when you go out, it just evaporates all those thoughts and you kind of, you connect. You're, mm. It makes you present. And as you say, it grounds you. So daily exercise outside walking or just, just movement outside, nourishing with three meals a day, definitely essential. And also just, you know, taking, very importantly, taking the time to appreciate yourself every day and that every day is a fresh day. Mm, Yeah, well, such great tips. Thank you, Lisa. So if people want to find out more about you or get in touch, like where can people find you? They can head over to my website, which is www.lisablain.com. And obviously my Instagram is Lisa Blaine Wellness and I can be Googled too. So they can check me out there because I also have a wellness mindset Kindle book out, which is all about resetting the mind and doing things differently, which is a nice, small, easy, readable book to do. And how in 21 days you can start to shape your life differently with your food and your exercise and your mindset. Mm, Okay, lovely. Thank you, Lisa. Well, I'm sure there'll be lots of people that wanting to find out more. Well, it's been great to chat with you because I think it's always interesting to talk about these sorts of topics with food, wellness. And I think the wellness concept is, is, I love that word because it's such a it's a great word because it's just a positive word. It's just about so much more than, you know, the fitness, the weight management and all of that, because ultimately, you know, we all want to feel well. Mm, Yeah, well, definitely. Well, I think there's so many great ideas and inspiring, you know, tips from this episode, Lisa. So we just want to really thank you for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, it's been a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much. I'll see you soon. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation just as much as I did. And do go and check out all of Lisa's info in the show notes. Now, if you're not following me already, do seek me out on Instagram at The Eating Disorder Therapist. And for further support in your relationship with food, do visit my website, theeatingdisordertherapist.co.uk. If you'd like to support this podcast, do head over to my Patreon account and information about that is in the show notes. And I would be so grateful if you would rate and review this episode if you enjoyed it, as it really helps the podcast reach so many more people. Thank you so much for listening today, and I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon.